Welcome to Catholic Radio for Katie Anna's presentation of Cajun Catholics. Here's your host, Todd Citron. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and kindle them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit did instruct the hearts of the faithful, grant that by that same Holy Spirit we may be truly wise and ever joy in his consolation through Christ our Lord. Amen. Holy Spirit. Amen. You're listening to Cajun Catholics. I'm your host, Todd Citron. I'm really excited today to have a, a young gentleman here who's uh, full of full of the Lord. Uh, just got a great love for the Lord, and um, just super excited to have him on the show, Mr. Jacob Landry. Welcome to the show, Jacob. Thank you for having me. All right, and today's co-host is Mr. Calvin James. Yes, sir. The King, and uh, we're always uh, glad to have Calvin on the show. Uh, always. Uh, a blessing to all of us. So, Jacob, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm 33 years old, self-employed, um, married with three kids. One's nine, nine, <laughs> eight, and I have uh, my youngest just turned four. Um, okay. And I've been married. We just made 12 years, actually, um, <laughs> Saturday. So, wow! Congratulations. Thank you. There's a lot of threes and a lot of divisibles by threes. I'm hearing already, Calvin, on all that. Uh, so where are you from? Where are you from? I'm originally from the Generet area, born and raised. I went to two Catholic schools, and so I went to Hanson, and then I switched my high school years, were finished off in Catholic high. Then we moved to, I uh, got into real estate and did some business in Iberia. Then we moved to Lafayette. It's just a, more opportunity. So we live in Youngsville, Lafayette. We have a lot in common. My, my family was from Generet, the Forte family, and my mom grew up there. And uh, But I, I met Jacob, I mean, I guess, at this last Cursia, and it was Cursia number 366. I think I'm saying that right. Four. Oh, 466. Four. I knew I was missing a number in there. Yeah. <laughs> and I, knew, I know that because um, those numbers add up to 16. That's my Holy Spirit yes, number, so that's how I remembered that. But uh, Jacob was the rector at that Cursia and just done, did an amazing job. And I think at 33 years old, my mother used to be a rector, started the women's Cursia, and it's, it's a lot. If you're the, for those who aren't familiar with Cursia, the rector is absolutely the man in charge. And uh, it's a whole lot to lay on you. And you shared a little bit about, I guess that was a little intimidating when you got that call, but uh, tell us about that. So it was one of those things where, with the COVID situation, I was supposed to rector the April one, which got canceled because of uh, coronavirus. And then the June one, there was a, a couple of guys, and some of them were older, that were going to be rector. My brother-in-law is kind of the head of the leader school. So he reached out to me and he said, hey, look, would you want to rector this? And I'm like, look, man, I'm not a very cautious person. And out of it really was a sense of charity for the for the people. I don't want to be in a situation where I might overstep or not do something and, and some, some people don't feel comfortable because I just may not recognize what's going on because I'm just not, I'm, I'm more of a risk taker inherently as it is anyway. So look, if I'm last resort, then go ahead and I'll do it if I'm last resort. So he called out to all the other guys, see if they can make it. And then he reached back out to me and said, look, nobody else can do it. So that's kind of how it happened. And, you know, it's one of those things at the Crescios where you kind of say you're sometimes you're voluntold to do stuff, you know. <laughs> but I, I, I do feel for this Crescio, it was um, 
we had went to leader school prior to me giving my answer. And after hearing Father talk and, you know, talking about trusting the Lord, I did feel a sense of peace and that, you know, even before um, I told Eric I was going to do it, I felt like I was probably going to end up doing it. And then again, I, <clears throat> for me too, with, with Crescios, I don't like to over-prepare for things. I like to let the Holy Spirit do the work, you know, and let me not get in the way. So for me, I, it tends to be some of the best Crescios for me, or at least there was two Crescios I rectored where it was kind of this last-minute deal. Within a two-week period, I'm, I'm knowing that I have to do it, and those tend to work out better for me because mm-hmm. I, I don't have no time to prepare. You know, and so uh, I do feel the Holy Spirit. I prayed for the Holy Spirit to work through me, and um, He certainly did. Well, I hope so. I know so. I had uh, several. We had several candidates, Calvin and I, and yeah. uh, and they had an amazing experience. And I share some of those experiences with y'all because they really were supernatural. And uh, Jacob touched my heart because he. I can tell he's got a deep faith. And I wonder how a young man at this age is in the place he's in. And I want to hear that story. But go ahead, Calvin. I'm not gonna hog up on it. Well, yeah, I, I was gonna ask him how he prepared, but uh, you pointed that out. But I want to ask now, since the Casillas passed, what kind of impact do you feel or believe or have been experiencing in your life? as a result of saying yes and actually completing that task? Well, I think I would have to answer and say it's not one specific time because to me, the Curcios, go and work the Curcios, it's always like I tell people, it's a splash of cold water in the face. And I feel like there's so many distractions in the world and it's so easy to get caught up in these distractions that when you go there, it's like God takes your head and he points it in the right direction. Of course. And so it's a constant this, you're living the path, you're living what you're supposed to do and then you veer off and you start veering off slowly and slowly and then you come here and God takes your head and turns it and no, here's the right path. And so there's always this reorientation of what we're supposed to be doing as men, as how we're supposed to live our lives within the world as Catholic men, you know, and men of faith. So I, I did, you know, every time I go there, I get that experience. And I feel like the faith journey for me is a slow, mm-hmm. gradual walk to the Lord. And so being involved with the movement, it's not like a, a St. Paul moment for me. It's always a, okay, now I know what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a, a reminder and that sobering, that, that cold water in the face, sobering up, saying, hey, look, what are you doing? You're doing this in the world. You need to fix this stuff, and this is the path you need to lead. And it kind of, the Curcios, and I, and I told the men this at the Curcio, that it, it sets a very high standard. And it's, it's, it sets the standard of sainthood. I mean, if we were just listening and going through all the talks, if we were to live that life perfectly, you live in a life of sainthood and it's like that's very high to uphold in the world you know but let it be a reminder that we're human beings and this is why we need god's grace and why we need to have the sacraments and depend on the grace of the lord to try to get there you know it's it's and i'm telling don't look at me i'm not, I'm not perfect to live this stuff you know it might be 60 percent sometimes yeah. you know a blessing delayed is not a blessing denied you was talking about God turning your head this way and that way. Of course, that's the Holy Spirit. The Bible teaches us in Psalm that let the word be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. So I'm sure that the word, written word, had a lot to do with directing you during this period. The written word. Yeah, like the Bible you're talking about? Yes. Well, 
I mean, that's I, I try to do a daily meditation where I read the gospel, Thank and then there's you. a meditation on it every day. So yes, I mean, there's always those moments. Father talks about the when he gives his talks at the Crusios about actual grace, sanctifying grace, and actual grace is sort of these pings. You know, everybody with the Crusio knows what that means. Mm-hmm. But you get those, especially with. You know, when you read in Scripture, I mean, the gospel is the life of Jesus. So those, to me, it's are the most important. And it's like people talk about how can I communicate with God? How can I communicate with Jesus? And it's like we had God become human and walk the earth, and He told us things, and <laughs> and people have written down those things. You know, and so this is like the Almighty that created everything, walk the earth. I mean, that's amazing, and He actually told us stuff, and so. I've always tried to get in that mindset, and I read it differently. I'm looking at it as if, okay, the man, the creator, just like a car manufacturer who creates a, a car, they put out this... A Ford. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. A, a Ford, you know, they put out this manuscript or whatever on how it's supposed to operate, what you're supposed to do, how you're supposed to do things. And so when you're really trying to figure out how this thing's supposed to operate, you reference that. And so as far as for us as human beings and we have the creator it scripture reveals itself as sort of that uh, architect who in the in the guy wrote the manuscript this is how you're supposed to live your life mm-hmm. and it takes on a different meaning for you and it's more impactful you know jesus said if you love me you'll keep my commandment you know i like the cut of your jib meaning that I knew that you have to have that in you, the gift of the knowledge of the word, in order for you to proceed in, in the life that you're doing. And I just kind of wanted you to express to the audience how important that word is, foundation, you know? Yeah, you know, um, my son-in-law is what I would say an academic. He loves to read about the saints, and he knows the Bible pretty good. Not like Calvin, but but he's uh, <laughs> he knows a little bit, and, uh, and very much into the technical part of our faith. And I was nervous for him to make this Garcia. He made this Garcia that Jacob rectored. What kind of experience he was going to have. And I think that in my mind, and in, in speaking to him after, it was the Holy Spirit side that touched him so deeply that, that he began to connect you know what he's read into 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 the reality of Jesus's touch and for him you know it was he he talked he talks a lot about humility about you know uh, some of the people that he met there and how humble they were and um, how they have that even stronger connection to the Lord even though they don't know even though they're not connected to the Bible even though they don't know their their P's and Q's and that's something that touched him I want to share with Jacob that you know this was something that that Brandon said it was okay I could share with you guys too but when he was they did the stations of the cross and number 13 was always his thing and when he stood in front of uh, the Pieta with Mary holding Jesus's body Mary spoke directly to him out there. It's holy ground out there, and some crazy things happen, some supernatural, beautiful things. And and Mary spoke to to Brandon at the time and and just said to him in his ear, whispered and said, you killed my son. I wasn't expecting him to say that, but really it was very profound for him in his life, and and it's something that he's carrying, and I'm so happy he shared that with us because it's our sin, you know, that made that happen. But but that's something you did, Jacob. Uh, you know, when you say yes and you lead other men, the impact, sometimes you don't get to see it and realize it. But I'm, I'm here to just say thank you. Yeah, thank you. Well, it's one of those things. I experienced the Crucio at a young age. So I think I was 19 when I made mine. Maybe 19, 20. Was I young. Was, yeah. yeah. Lucky. And so I was fortunate enough to try to live a life of grace so I got married at 21 and my wife and I have been striving to live a life of grace 
since then, but you see the fruits and the value that God wants for you, the blessings and the value that God wants for you. And to me, it's like giving back. And it's one of those things like you read a good book or something and you feel compelled to say, look, there's so much suffering in the world today. And there's so much, look, we got some anarchy going on, you know? And it's like, God doesn't want us to live this way. And he doesn't want us to suffer like this. And to me, I've experienced the value of living that life of grace and I want to offer that to other people because I want them to experience the value. I want them to experience the, the blessings and the grace that God has for their life, you know? And so with that attitude of to be able to live, when you start living a life of grace and, you, and you're trying to live for Christ, you tend to be more selfless and you tend to be more uh, loving and aware and to me that's a big, that's a big antidote that the world needs today. You know, love can solve a lot of problems. Yeah, that we're facing now. I want to remind our audience you're listening to Cajun Catholics. Today's guest is Mr. Jacob Landry, and uh, he is describing what a true Cajun Catholic is, and he is a true Cajun Catholic. And uh, but that's the deepness of of our faith here in South Louisiana. It's the beauty of this show that I feel like the good Lord has placed in front of me to to expose all this wonderful community that we live in. Community is the word that keeps coming up in my prayer life. You know, with the coronavirus everywhere, it's like the devil wants to take us out of community, and uh, and community unity is is where we need to be but you know what would you say you know jacob a lot of people that don't know much about Garcia always say well i'm not worthy i, I don't want to take that step because i'm not i don't want to be a saint or i can't be a saint or you know i don't want to be one of those holy roller guys and i think a lot of people have that fear you know but is it is it just for every ordinary people i mean what what would you say to that well i'll start off with you you're saying that i'm a i'm a true cajun catholic i mean i'll say that i, I try to be a true Cajun Catholic. And so I think that, that right there, and it's somebody had mentioned this to me before, that they don't go to church because they're perfect. They go to church because they're trying to be perfect and they're seeking perfection. And the only, the only way that you're going to become perfect is through Jesus Christ. And so when we go to the Mass, we're receiving Jesus himself, body, blood, soul, and divinity. Mm-hmm. And so for us going to Mass, it's us having to conform to him. We're having to conform our lives to him where we become more like Christ. And anybody who is called or uh, God calls everybody to be saints. Mm -hmm. And so if anybody's striving to be perfect or striving to be like Christ and want to see what he has in store for them in their lives, the Cursia is open for them. You know, now originally the Cursia was was designed specifically to pick out leaders, and it was to have these leaders in these parishes come and make it, and then they go and they try to get the other members in the parish to make it. You know, I think that was in a uh, in a setting where we don't have as much of the um, social media media, media yeah. and stuff going on. You know, but now it's kind of one of those things where we've have a guy that made it who's you know been away from the church for a while had a very profound impact on him and god called him to make that this is the weekend he actually sat at your, your son-in-law's table yeah. and he showed up at the doorstep the the thursday morning just asking hey is there a Christia going on and a guy was cutting grass over there got him in touch with a couple of people and nonetheless he's there six hours later making the weekend you know so things like that happen but yeah, I think um, I need to add that you know I saw this gentleman he's speaking of talk and he touched my son-in-law so deeply he said he changed his life forever. But if you want to just see God exist, I mean this guy here he spoke as if as if he was Paul. He, he spoke as if he he could have wrote the uh, the letters. 
you know, I mean, the transformation among this man just that said, yes, I, I'm broken and I'm, I want to be near you, Lord. And what God did for him in that weekend was spectacular. Yeah, sometimes I get more out of these weekends than some of these guys. No doubt. You know, you know staying on that subject about anybody going, that's supernatural with the way that happened. That guy just showed up. The Bible says, don't hesitate to entertain strangers, or they could be angels. Now, the scripture tells us many are called and few are chosen. So whenever you get this crew up there, the Chrysia, whenever they have one, not everybody is going to actually take off on that. There's going to be at least one, and that's what God is looking for. Now, backing up a little bit about Brandon's vision that Mary told him that you killed Christ. You know, the scripture says in Romans 5, 8, that Christ died for us while we were still sinning. Whenever you hear a voice from God, it's going to speak in Scripture. If it's not Scripture-based, it's not the voice of God. So, therefore, His calling is, is right. So we are all called to be able to share Christ. What we owe for killing Him is to tell others about Him. That's how we pay Him back. Ain't that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, how do you feel about that, <laughs> Jacob? I want to know how you feel about spreading the gospel. Well... I think, again, it goes back to the wanting to share the good book. You know, you read a good book, you have something that impacts your life for the positive and the good, and you feel compelled to share that with others so they can experience the same thing. You know, and I think that does come from, it has to come from a mode of humility and a sense of charity, too. And look, this is not easy to live. There's a lot of times you see opportunities and with Crucios and, and spiritual group, when we go over apostolic endeavors and failures, and sometimes I have more failures to meet those opportunities in the world than I do the successes. But I do think it comes from that mode of wanting to have other people experience the peace, joy, happiness that I've experienced, you know, Christ brought to my life. Practice makes perfect. Yeah, I think often in uh, our listeners hear someone with a deep faith like this and they think, well, that guy, maybe he hasn't been through some, maybe the good Lord shined mm-hmm. upon him and he's not had the trials like I've had. You know, share with us, if you could, what are some of the trials that have brought you this deep faith that you have today, if you could, just some? Hmm. Well, I guess at a younger age, I feel like you're more malleable. And, you know, going through, right now, my, my wife and I, we homeschool our kids. So I went to two Catholic schools, and I was exposed to things that, as far as for sinful things, you know, it was one of those things where we would go to Mass on Fridays at Catholic High, and I know what would go on on the weekends. You know, there was you know, promiscuity going on with a wide range from students to teachers and all kind of stuff, and uh, partying and drinking and drugs all in between, and then everybody would go to communion. And so sin has natural consequences. Whether we know it or not and aware of it, we're going to have negative consequences to sin. And those things may take a while to reveal themselves, and those consequences may take a while to reveal themselves. But Let me ask you something, because that's unique. Not many people know that. <laughs> How did you find out that part about there's going to be consequences for sins? Because a lot of people, I'm going to tell you, 8 out of 10 people don't understand that. Oh, man. I guess it's a grace of the Holy Spirit. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a true ping that you get. And, and, and I, was, I, d- I was introduced to some, some men at a younger age, again, that teenage age, that sort of profess some of this stuff, too, and kind of make you aware. And then through my own studies, you realize that and you recognize it, and then you look back in your life, and I'm like, even with my spiritual journey, I got out of high school, wasn't living the faith. I mean, I was trying to skip out of Mass, not going, 
although my family, you know, they tried to raise us to go to mass every Sunday, but that wasn't always the case with me growing up. And then I get out of the home at 18 and I kind of go wild. And, um, we all did. Yeah. So (laughs) then, but then you, then life hits you with a ton of bricks. And for me, I wanted to pursue real estate and my dad, this was the, this was the best thing that ever happened to me. My dad, and I was sort of an academic in high school. I never really made a C on the report card. Kind of did good in school. And um, so when I told people, hey, I'm not going to college. I want to pursue real estate. Everybody was like, you're making a mistake. You're not supposed to be doing this. And the best thing that happened to me, my dad said, well, if you're not going to college, I'm cutting you off. And so I was 18 years old, and he just, he's like, you're thrown in the pool. You know, you got to figure it out now. Now you got to pay for your bills, pay for your insurance, pay for your car, pay for your phone. And life hits you really hard, and you, you realize, oh, man, all this stuff I'm doing, all this partying, it's dragging me down. I cannot, I cannot, uh, it's one or the other, you know? Mm-hmm. That's, to me, where the rubber met the road for making action, and then I see an immediate reaction as far as for a consequence. And then uh, you get to the point where you do it so much where I wouldn't say there was a, there was more or less a rock bottom moment, you know, of... I can't live this lifestyle anymore. I can't do this anymore. And the only thing I knew to do was to go to confession. I hadn't went to confession in like five years. And that was sort of a turning point for me. And then you start to get the grace and God starts to work through you and reveal things. And then it's a, it's an on and off battle. And then he, I do think he shed a light in front of me. And I guess for me, and I tell other people, God doesn't shine a light in front of you 100 feet. He's going to put a light right in front of you and show you one, one foot in front of the other. So there takes a leap of faith to constantly try to take that next step. You what, know? what was the constant in your life through that period? Because you had to, some way God had somebody in your life to keep you connected, you know, even if it was like barely. But there had to be like somebody in your life maybe, I'm saying. When did besides? you meet your wife? All right, so it's kind of, I tell people this is kind of a weird situation, but so my brother-in-law married my sister and then I married his sister. Okay. I can't even so, get my arms around so, that one. Yeah. So, I tell, so I tell people, this is how we do it in the South. Okay. Yeah, yeah there you go. Um, the true Cajun yeah. Catholic. True Cajun Catholic, yeah. yeah. So he married my wife, and he had a construction company and was doing real estate. So I got out of high school, and I started working for him. And that's kind of what compelled me to say, oh, yeah, I can do this. I can I can get into real estate. And, mm-hmm. and I always had a really a passion at a young age. I don't know why to do that. But nonetheless... I got involved with his company working, and his family was it was a different holy family than what I what I've seen before, you know. And they had other other people that they were involved with, with the homeschool group that they were with that were their the faith life was a priority, and it was a a constant way of life. It wasn't just something you do on Sundays, and then you know Monday comes around, and mm-hmm. you know they say those clock in clock out as Catholics, mm-hmm. you know, and so, so it was these, a different. These guys didn't clock out. Yeah, so it was seeing something different, and so just getting involved with the company and working for them, you know, I, I get to meet my, well, I always knew my wife for the longest time since we were kids, but then we, I, I, you know, started looking at her as a potential candidate for married life, you know, mm-hmm. and she did have a huge impact on me. This is sort of a story I tell people. One of the things I think people take for granted is the the setup God, the way God set up marriage, and a lot of times it gets a negative connotation because St. Paul says, wives be submissive to your husbands. Mm-hmm. But after that, he says, but husbands love your wives as Christ loves the church. And Christ died for the church. And he really, if you ask any woman, hey woman, what, what, 
problem would you have following Jesus Christ? He's the ultimate epitome of perfection in a man. No woman would have any trouble submitting to, to the Lord. And so if we were to act like that as husbands, mm-hmm. then it would be easy for our wives to try to submit to the husband's um, direction. That makes sense. That's and, good stuff. Yeah. And so uh, she sort of was a grain in that growing up. And so when we were dating and we were kind of like did a courting situation where we knew that we couldn't be in certain situations, so we had to have a chaperone. And we kind of took this upon ourselves to try to pursue that. But she kind of put it in my hands she says okay well and this was all subconscious and i wasn't aware of it until after but she sort of said well if if i'm going to marry this man then i need to trust that he can take care of my soul now if he takes care of my soul now then i know he'll do it when we get married and so she kind of put her soul in my hands back then and this was all kind of subconscious where she would allow some things to happen i'm kind of like that doesn't seem like her maybe i need to maybe i need to protect uh, you know, there was some innocence about it, and I'm like, I need to protect that innocence. And uh, hey, we we can't go to this place because it may, it may be a near occasion of sin. So we need to get a chaperone. And so it was put upon me to take that role and to take that lead. And it wasn't until you know later on where I'm figuring out that well, that's God's role for me as the husband and the father is to be that leader. And 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 all the souls that's not just my wife's but the kids they're all innocent and it's my job to protect that innocence and so that to me i was a sinner at that time and i thought of myself and the self-image that i had was i'm not worthy and that's what the devil wants us to believe that we're not worthy we're these sinners but my wife had this perception of she saw something good she saw something how christ looks at us like yes you're not worthy but you have the potential with god's grace and so that sort of what happened to me is I go from this mindset mentality that, you know what, I'm not worthy to, well, maybe I'm worthy to, well, let me just try this out and see. And then so my, that's when my faith life started to really uh, evolve and uh, take traction. And then I started to see that through God's grace, he put that light in front of me, one foot in front of the other, and then you make a cursio, and you get a spiritual director, and then you start spiritual grouping, and you, and you meet it, and then you start seeing that the graces start compounding, and it's like, it takes a 180, you know, and like yeah. four or five years later, I'm working with the cursios, and I'm wanting to go out and profess the Lord, and help people out, and really starting to see the value he has to your life, so that sort of was a turning point for me, was that I think people take for granted and they, they look at it in a, in a negative way of the wife, by allowing her husband and believing in her husband to take the lead, she empowers him to do that. And it, and it does. It challenges him. It challenges me still this day that I, I come home and I got the kids and it's like you put in all this time and effort at work and then you got to come home and it's like, well, I can't just go sit on the couch. I have to be a father. I have to uh, be a leader for this family. So you're still challenged by that passage because in nature, men in nature, it's, you know, we, we could see in the world today the fatherless homes and the impact of these fatherless homes that it has in society and the negative consequences. You know, there we go. The sin of the, the father and the husband not, not taking that role like he should and the consequences thereof. Yeah. Well, 
<laughs> We're out of time, unfortunately. But Jacob, he's the man, and uh, he got into an incredible. I, I try. I didn't want to interrupt him, but uh, that was just so beautiful. And thank you for sharing that with us. Obviously, you got a deep uh, vocation with in, in your marriage and your, your family. And I'm I'm studying Saint Joseph, so I think you're, you you are Saint Joseph. So you know. <laughs> well, I, well, I try, Todd. I, I'm not perfect. You <laughs> no, know? I know. But uh, anyway, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Uh, Calvin, thank you for co-hosting the show. We'll have to get Jacob back on the show real soon. Just got a real love for the Lord. Uh, Again, you've been listening to the Cajun Catholic Radio Show. We always invite you to engage the Cajun Catholic community. Thank you, Jacob. Yeah. All right. Not a problem. God bless you.